Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Ali. Uh, Taymor's currently asleep on the bed and I don't want to wake him up. So today we're going to be doing an in-between episode. And this is the audio from a podcast that I did uh, a few months ago where I was being interviewed by a lovely chap called Mark on his podcast, Social Colors. Um, and it's entitled Journey of a Creator. So in this podcast, we talk about uh, kind of the struggle between creating what uh, you want to create and creating what you know will work. Uh, we talk about my beginnings on YouTube. Uh, we talk about how I knew my first 100 videos were going to be terrible and kind of my thoughts about where I want to take the channel in the future. It's kind of self-centered, but I hope if you're vaguely interested in the whole creativity vibe that you might gain something from it. So yeah, we'll see you next week with our regular programming. But now I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Mark on the Social Colors podcast. So yeah, Ali, welcome to the Social Colors podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This is this is interesting. So what I always try and start off to do is just give me a one minute rundown of kind of what you do outside of YouTube. Yeah first and foremost, and then we'll go into kind of the YouTube sphere itself. Okay, so what do I do outside of YouTube? Um, at the moment, I'm a junior doctor, just started working in Cambridge, which is where we are at the moment. Uh, so I started working about two months ago. So I was a student at Cambridge for the last six years, and now we've just started work. So I'm on cardiology at the moment. So that's kind of like my my day day job. But then on the side for the last few years, I've been running this kind of side business that helps st students get into medical school. Um, and then sort of on the side from that, I've uh, been doing a few things like coding and, and music as sort of dabbling. So I, I quite like to keep myself occupied with other things, but that means that, as my mum says, I, n I never really focus on one thing in particular. So, <laughs> yeah. I think, so. I think a lot of creative people are like that anyway, aren't they? They don't necessarily focus on one thing like I'm the same, I'll do yeah. one thing and then I want to go on to the next thing. And da, da, da. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And then obviously in that sense, YouTube came along. Yeah, YouTube came along. So you started in about 2016? Yeah, 2017, actually, yeah. So it, it, it was more like a year and a bit ago when I was on my medical elective. So that's where in our fifth year of medical school, we get to go wherever you want for about two months okay. and you do some kind of medical placement. Uh, so I went to Cambodia and Vietnam to do this like plastic surgery placement because back, back then I was thought I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Okay. Um, so then on, on my elective, I kind of got into the whole Casey Neistat YouTube vlogging kind of scene, which I'd never really been exposed to before. And then the, the kind of the wheels started turning in my head that, oh, why don't, why don't I start a vlog? How hard can it be? You know, there's not many medical vloggers in the UK. Um, there seems to be kind of a gap in the market for that sort of, sort of stuff. Yeah. So how did you come across Casey in the first place? And was he like your initial inspiration, obviously, as you say? Um, so I've been 
into the whole YouTube stuff since like 2008 or something, uh, ever since I started watching covers of song, popular songs by people like Kurt Schneider and Sam Seawee. Is it? Because the early videos yeah. on your YouTube channel are like session yeah, yeah. music videos, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for, for ages I had this dream of, you know, I want to be a, I want to be a YouTuber. I kind of sing a bit and play, play instruments and I've got loads of friends who are like incredible singers. So I was thinking if I could be the next Kurt Schneider, if I can kind of produce covers of popular songs and get my friends to sing, that would be really cool. So kind of I've, I've been kind of keeping an eye on the YouTube scene and in the music sphere. Actually, I have no idea how I came across Casey Neistat. I think it was because I've been into photography and then I kind of discovered Peter McKinnon and the other photographer side of YouTube. And then from that led on to kind of more the tech YouTubers, people like Sarah Dietschy. And then from that, Casey Neistat and then realizing, wow, this guy's huge. It's a yeah. big vlogging thing is, is a thing. And he's like, you know, the grandfather of vlogging. Grandfather. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of realized that, wow, this this is a thing people do. I think, I think with Casey, what he done was he essentially took the camera away from people pointing at themselves and he created these little kind of movies where he was almost the actor in it like so when he's going running there's yeah. like shots that are static and he <laughs> runs past it yeah um, and i think that's what changed the game for vlogging and, and that's why he's seen as yeah. kind of the grandfather of it yeah. i suppose yeah absolutely so yeah obviously at the start you kind of had the the music kind of session things and then you went into the vlog like you said in cambodia and that um how is it kind of vlogging first time around because obviously there's a lot of creators that want to do vlogs, but they're very conscious about being in front of the camera and talking to the camera. Yeah, yeah. So like, like even today, I still find it really weird talking to a camera, especially in public, and I have to actively kind of combat that, you know, innate desire to like, you know, hide away in a corner because it's just a weird thing to do. Um, but like, kind of early on, I I did before starting watch a few tutorials about people, you know, advice on how to vlog. Um, a few of those and without exception everyone said it's going to be really weird at first you've just got to battle through the awkwardness and eventually you'll become more comfortable doing it mm. so yeah it was really awkward and still still is but <laughs> yeah out in public have you had anyone ever come up to you and go like what the hell are you doing uh i've not so that uh, that was the fear initially you know the, the because i suppose any time we do we do anything we're, we're worried that people are going to judge us especially kind of talking to a camera in public it's like an objectively a weird thing so I think the fear for everyone is, what if people are going to think me weird for doing so? But actually, the only time people have come up to me, they've been like, oh, what's that you're doing? It seems pretty cool. Oh, are you a YouTuber? Because, you know, when I've got my camera with the fluffy microphone, the Casey Neistat setup, you know, people who know YouTube know that that's a vlogger setup and automatically get interested. Yeah. So I've, I've never really had any negative reception for that. I think there's probably like kind of in, in British people in general, there's kind of the two sides of it. People who are interested in what you want to do, like you're saying, coming up to you, probably know a bit about YouTube. Yeah. And then there's the, the general British person that's like, mm, I'll just leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they're not going to comment. So that's, you know, yeah. who cares? That's fine. Quiet, yeah, gone. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, obviously, when you first kind of put out your first vlogs in, so the first ones were in Cambodia, were they? What uh, kind of were you expecting from the videos? Where So did you go in with a plan of what you wanted to do and, and who you were kind of targeting? Or was it literally like, I'm going to put these up and see what happens and and go from there, essentially? So it was it was very much the latter initially. So for the first few videos, it was, it was a case of, you know what, I think it would be cool to be a YouTuber. And I kind of had in the back of my mind that because there were so few medical vloggers, and at the time I was in my penultimate year of medical school, I was thinking that if I can learn the ropes of YouTube over the course of a year, then when I start work as a junior doctor, then I'll be able to kind of vlog and talk about life as a junior doctor, because that was something that I think was missing from, from YouTube. And it's only really started to become a thing with Ed and with a few other people in the last year or so. Um, 
So that was kind of the aim in the back of my mind that, okay, I just want to get some experience of just churning out content as all these creators, Gary Vee, Casey, they all say it's all about the content, churning out content, learning how to do editing and stuff for such that in August 2018, which was about two months ago, um, I'd be able to, you know, progress yeah. life as a junior doctor. And did you have any kind of video experience before and or have you learned on the jobs? Pretty much learned on the job. So I made a video or two, you know, just of people sitting in front of a camera and talking uh, to promote my, the courses that I was running for my, for my company. But other than that, it was just a case of, right, I'm going to start off by pointing my iPhone at myself and then learning how to edit in Premiere. And then the next video was like, okay, let me get an external mic for my iPhone. So I had this weird kind of take together setup. And the next video was like, okay, I've, I've got the camera with me. I might as well use my camera and stick an external mic on the top of that. And it sort of evolved from there, learning on the job. So, yeah, you, what you're just saying, you started off with your phone, essentially. So yeah, yeah. there's obviously a lot of people that think to create YouTube videos, they need all this expensive equipment. But you've just proved it that get your phone and, and go yeah. from there and work it out. But yeah, I agree. But but also, I'm, I'm, I'm always a bit wary of over-glamorizing the whole, it doesn't matter what, what camera you have. Because initially at the start, because because I, I did have my Sony A6000 and I could have done it from from the camera, but I was thinking that look, I just need to get this started. I don't want to fall into the trap of caring about equipment too much. Because yeah. at the start, I had like I had like 50 subscribers by by default for the last 10 years. You know, when you when you uh, like when you when you when they add your email contacts and you just subscribe to YouTube yeah. channels. Um, so I just didn't expect anyone to be watching. So I was like, you know what, this is just a case. This is just for me to learn stuff. Cool. And therefore, so, I'm going to start with my iPhone. So did you feel less pressure that, like you just said, you kind of thought people wouldn't be watching anyway? So did you feel less pressure of just putting content out there rather than having that kind of self-awareness almost? Of, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got to get this right or I've got to do, say the right things. and da, da, da. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of resigned myself. So actually, the, there was another YouTuber that I follow. His name is Simon Clark. He's an ex-Oxford ex student. Uh, and he used to vlog about being a student. Uh, and his style was was quite you know uh, quite well spoken, talking about you know f physics theory and explaining stuff, sort of not really over the top reactiony that you know the image I had of YouTubers in my head, but you know, quite a measured guy talking quite nicely. Uh, and there was a video that he made about how to vlog or something something along those lines, and and he said something that that really stuck with me. He said that you've just got to accept that your first hundred videos are going to be absolutely terrible, and once you accept that then you can move beyond that and then you can just get a lot better. So that's kind of what I internalized. I was like, my first 50 videos, 100 videos are gonna be absolutely terrible, that's fine, I don't care. This is all kind of in preparation for this life of a junior yeah. doctor thing. I think obviously we spoke about just before this about Gary Vee and that and yeah. he said as well, and something that stuck with me is like, when he done Wine Library, no one cared for the first year. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so important. Once you get in that mindset of like, just do what you need to do yeah. and then worry about it further down the line is, is a, it's a perfect kind of way to think when you're starting out. Um, so when you did put your first videos out, did you show friends and family or did you keep it quite quiet or? Uh, I showed friends and family. So I, I posted a link to the videos on you know, like my family WhatsApp group or my friend, my school friends WhatsApp group and be like, hey guys, just drop this a like. Yeah. Um, and then I think when I had about 10 videos or like 12 videos of kind of the whole experience of elective, then I posted it on Facebook for the first time. I was like, hey, I've been doing this thing. Um, again, the, there was something I had had in my mind. Um, so there's kind of a bit of backstory to, to this. Okay, so, so you know Casey Neistat, obviously, yeah. a big, big famous YouTuber. There was this much smaller YouTuber called Sarah Dietschy. I don't know if you've come across her. Nice, yeah, so her kind of origin story is that she, she started off kind of doing guitar amp reviews and had about 4,000 subscribers from that. 
But then one day she did a video where she kind of parodied Casey Neistat's vlogs. And then he saw that and that skyrocketed her to 40,000 and then suddenly 100,000 subscribers almost overnight just from making this video. There was a lot of thought that went went into that because she'd kind of attempted to plan this whole thing and kind of had in the back of her mind that, you know, if this can go viral, then that would be really good. Um, But her thing was very much that the only reason she got all those subscribers is because she had a library of content already there that showed what, what she was about. And therefore, when her breakout hit happened, then, you know, people could see the previous content and decide to subscribe. And I'd been sort of thinking this from quite early on. I was, I was thinking that I don't, like, if I am going to kind of make it on YouTube at all, I want to be having a backlog of, like, high-quality content, and I don't want to over-publicize it too early. Because then, you know, what's the point? If someone goes to your channel and sees three videos, they're not going to subscribe. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of obviously a plan there. Yeah, yeah. So when you did kind of tell people you knew about your channel, what was their kind of initial reaction? Were they, like, were they supportive or are they like what are you doing this for <laughs> concentrate on your studies <laughs> so for the most part people, people were supportive um there was obviously a bit of you know concentrate on your studies from from my mum and, and my family but but that was very much in, in a sense of look you know it's fine if you're doing this but you know make sure you don't like ruin your studies which is which is fair enough like you can't really par- expect parents to be like yeah you know screw your studies it's just an, it's focus an on them, isn't it, really? absolutely it's, it's a new world, yeah so. Yeah, and I think like it's it's pretty reasonable advice that I would give to people as well. You know, don't quit your day job until you've got something you know there that's yeah. able able to support you. Um, and then when I got to university and started making videos about life as a medical student, then I started to get a bit more pushback from a, a, a few of my university friends who were like, "Oh, Ali, what are you doing? Put the camera away." But I think over time, because I had a general attitude of I don't really care, and I knew that they weren't seriously, you know thinking bad of me for it they were just kind of making fun of it because you know that's what you do you take the piss out of your friends um it didn't really affect me too much yeah. no, that's cool and then obviously you went from kind of vlogs into you mentioned earlier about you developed an app for all the company oh, that you yeah. had and, yeah. and you've done a kind of few i think it's like a four yeah. episode series <laughs> yeah. about how to develop an app yeah so just kind of dabbled in a few different things the app thing ended up not working out at all but okay. <laughs> I, but still i was thinking you know what i might as well just make the videos to get my hundred terrible videos out as soon as possible yeah so that then you know from that point on it would it would be good and you said you had like kind of side company and was and then you done videos on youtube was that to kind of facilitate people going to the website and yeah so those videos weren't really aimed at youtube they were more kind of videos of our tutors explaining what our courses were about so that if someone came onto our website that they'd see real people real faces explaining stuff you know to a camera which is a lot more interesting than just seeing text like every other company was doing yeah um so that was that was kind of the reason behind that cool and then so the kind of thing i got from your channel is there's there's quite a bit of a mismatch of things so you obviously got the vlog the music that's a problem and then you kind of went into a bit of tech as well and that's where you you're kind of going at the moment i think with like your desk setups and uh, is, is tech something you'd always been interested in? Because obviously you've done the, the iPad video. I yeah. think it was for studying for exams, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so how I take notes in medical school yeah. with, with the iPad. And that obviously and, and that done really well. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when that kind of... Did that blow up, stra- blow up straight away or did it take time? Or uh, So this is something that I've, I've often struggled with with, with the channel because, because it started off with vlogs and then turned into like, you know, very niche educational content for medical applicants. Mm. So like how to do well in this very niche exam and how to do well in medical school interviews, which naturally has quite a small kind of, you know, people who are interested in it. And then it kind of expanded beyond that to when I started doing videos about general study advice. 
um, like evidence-based tips for how to revise for your exams, you know, don't highlight, don't make notes, do things like active recall, space repetition, all, all of this sort of stuff. Um, so every new thing that I've done on the channel seems to have been expanding the audience base a bit more from this very niche crowd of medical school applicants. And now the problem is that I still want to make videos for these medical school applicants and for medical students. But now that is such a small proportion of the subscriber base and the majority of them are now from the iPad video or the desk setup video. And in a way, like most of the subscribers now interested in have clicked the subscribe button because of the tech content. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've I struggle with on a daily basis so to, to like, you know, to what extent do I want to put out a what's on my iPhone video? Because I know that's going to do well. But really, what's going to add most value to people's life at the moment is very niche advice on how to apply to Cambridge Medical School, for example. So I don't know. It's, it's so you almost that. feel a bit conf conflicted yeah. about where to go there. Yeah. But I think I, I didn't realize until obviously seeing Ed's channel and your channel and that, that there is such a, a good niche for like medical yeah, no, advice <laughs> and, and student advice. And that. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously with... The tech side as well that is a very prominent market on yeah, youtube it's, it's huge um and you've done well at it like uh, yeah, it's, it's you, you're getting a great, great amount of views like, well. especially the ipad videos got like over a million in a few months and i was just completely shocked um how did how did that feel getting over a million views on a video uh it was, like if you really think about a million people have watched yeah. that video it's quite mental yeah like I, th I think a million is one of those numbers that it's just like impossible to fathom because yeah. like you, like when it comes to subscriber count, I was thinking of it in terms of there were a thousand people in my school. So I was like, okay, a thousand people fit into that hole in school. Therefore, if I have 10,000 people, that's like 10 schools worth of people that would recognize me if they saw me. And then when it became like 50,000, whoa, whoa. And then it starts to become unfathomable. And a million, I, I just don't have any any reference point to what that actually means. Yeah. But, yeah. Have, you, have you had any kickback from doing the tech stuff against, like you said, your subscriber base, the smaller subscriber base that were subscribed to you for the educational content? Have you had any kickback from them about why you're doing tech stuff now? Or? Uh, not really, actually. I think this is, again, one of those things that we tend to overthink. Um, but then I spoke to a few people about it, and they were like, yeah, you know, I quite like channels that you just talk about whatever you're interested in. And then, so for, like, for example, if I see a Peter McKinnon video, like I absolutely love him, I think he's incredible. But if I see a, a video where the title is not something that's immediately at that moment relevant to me, I won't necessarily click on it. Or if it's a video about editing in Premiere, because I use Final Cut, I won't click on it. And I still, I would still call him one of my favorite YouTubers. I still subscribe, I still support him 100%. So then I kind of realized that actually, you know, who, who cares? If, if people are in it for the iPad videos, they're not gonna wanna watch a video about how to apply to graduate entry medical school. But, you know, if they're there for the medical content, then fair enough. You know, you've got, they've, they've got the option of clicking on the video. And if they click on the video, then great. And if not, then that's fine. Um, yeah, it's interesting to say about Pete McKinnon. I, I have this little thing where, so with his channel specifically, again, I shoot, I edit on Final Cut. Oh, so yeah. when he does premise stuff, I'm like, damn it. But I still watch them, yeah, ironically. I still, I still watch some of those as well. But I have my little kind of thing where if it's something like that, it goes on the watch later list. Oh, and, and I just get in this massive okay. list of watch later. Yeah. Um, and then obviously he puts out other content and it's like, yeah, straight away yeah. I want to watch that. So yeah, maybe it's similar with your channel is... Um, but it sounds like you kind of you had that niche originally, which is what a lot of people who kind of teach how to grow on YouTube say is like to hit a specific niche and then grow out. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you've grown into the, the kind of tech, tech area, which tech is very um, competitive. I suppose. To speak. Yeah, competitive in a way. But then I don't really think of it as competition, and because like it seems like 
quite a few of the really big tech people like MKBHD, uh, Jonathan Morrison, etc. They all like promote each other's videos and you know when I just teen releases a video about an iPhone, you know, suggested MKBHD's Jonathan Morrison, like all the other tech people's videos also get suggested. And something that I realized fairly early on, um, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Ibsmo. No. So he's probably, uh, so he was the, the sort of Cambridge University YouTuber that I first kind of okay. got, to, got to know of and he kind of exploded because his, his whole thing is that he got pretty bad grades at GCSE um, and he came from quite a sort of poor background. But then he worked really hard, got really good A-level grades and then got into Cambridge. And as a working class student, going to Cambridge is quite unusual and he was kind of talking about his experiences of that. Um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, I was saying, so he, he was like huge, sort of in the 40,000 subscribers when I first got introduced to him. And then as I sort of came across more people starting this Cambridge Uni YouTube life, because it seemed like uh, about 10 of us started around about the same time, I sort of was monitoring their channels and thinking, oh, they've got a few more subscribers than I do. When I had like 200 subscribers, I was like, oh, that guy's got 210. And thinking of it as a competition. But then I realized quite, quite quickly on that actually, I think this is very much a case of the, the rising tide lifts all the boats. Like as I get bigger, as these guys get bigger, our videos get cross-promoted and we can do collabs. And it's not really a competition anymore. It's just, uh, you know, we're all helping each other out. And that's one of the things I really love about YouTube, that you're not competing for views, really. Yeah, I think... I think it's hard as a person anyway if you like you're saying within a small community of youtubers if someone is doing a lot better yeah. it's, it's kind of like why why am i not doing that um, but at the same time yeah you're exactly correct in like collaboration and that is completely the key to growing on on yeah. on the platform essentially and um i think that's the best way to especially new channels is yeah is to grow is to even if you've got like 10 subscribers is to go and work with someone who's got 20 subscribers because yeah. <laughs> if it brings in another 10 yeah, yeah, exactly. it's perfect, that's perfect. And actually so it's, it's it's funny you say that so like i think my channel grew fairly organically to about 4,000 subscribers and i had like a pretty decent backlog of content but then like the day that the video i did with ibsmo came out when he had 60,000 subscribers that was the day that the trajectory really started to to go to go off um i got a thousand two thousand subscribers pretty much overnight from that one video and then immediately after that it, it, it was, you know, our preparing for exam season term where I had a little spare time. So I was even back in my mind, I was like, I've, I've just got to churn out videos now because I've got this attention on the channel thanks to the Ibsmo collaboration. And then suddenly it started to really sort of hockey stick in, term, in terms of growth, as they say. Um, but kind of the, I think this again goes back to the Sarah Dietschy thing of having, having a, a library of content. Because I think if I'd done a collab with someone as big as Ibsmo without having a ton of content already, I don't think it would have gone nearly so well. Yeah. Um, so is that kind of, I, I always ask a question at the end, but is that one bit of advice you'd always give people is to build up a library of content oh, yeah, before just, kind of <laughs> jumping in and... Yeah, and, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just all about the content, as, as Gary Vee and everyone else <laughs> would say. And it's only when you're kind of doing it that you realise just how true that is. And it's hard, isn't it? Because like, especially working full-time, studying or whatever, yeah. to create vast amounts of content, it's, it's, yeah. it's a time-consuming thing. It is very time-consuming. And I'm kind of lucky in that being a medical student at Cambridge, like, I think people who are young, who, who are not in, the, in those shoes, like, would look at it and think, oh my God, that sounds really hard. Because being a medical student sounds hard and being at Cambridge sounds hard. A kind of when you're there, it's surprisingly chill and, you know, on placements, you know, you, you go in for a few hours in the morning and then you have the whole day off to do whatever you want. And it was kind of those times I was really taking advantage of this extra free time that I had in my life where I could just churn out video after video. Whereas now kind of working eight in the morning till sometimes seven in, in the evening, it's, it, it is a lot more restricted naturally. 
So I think I, I kind of had the good fortune of being a Cambridge medical student while starting this off. Yeah, sure. And on your channel, it says uh, new videos every week or weekly. Yeah. Do you try and do you keep to that or uh, are you a bit more sporadic? Or I do, actually. I think I, I think it started off with new videos Mondays and Thursdays because there was something I read about, you know, it's good to have a schedule. Yeah. But then over time, I realized that actually that's too restrictive. I want to just be able to do it whenever. These days, I try for one or two videos a week. Okay. Um, but I've got a few days off coming up, so I want to try and get a backlog that I can then kind of schedule over time. Yeah, because a lot of some YouTubers I follow, they always mention about kind of batch making videos, so yeah. spending the day. Like there's a guy of Ollie, uh, video influencers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, he, he'll shoot like five in a day and and on the same sofa and just change his t shirt. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think that's a way to kind of get over the workload sometimes. Yeah. So that's what I'm planning next week uh, when I've got a few days off to just batch film about 20 different intros for 20 different videos that I've already got sorted. And then just be able to edit them over time. Cool, because as well, like with with bigger YouTubers, I always find Pete McKinnon is a prime example. He used to be like Tuesdays, yeah. you know, da, 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 yeah. on schedule all the time, and then he obviously blew up big, and now it's like very sporadic yeah. of when he, he he can afford to do that, obviously with his audience. Yeah. But I always find it interesting when YouTubers get to a certain point, and then they're they're kind of like you say when you first start out, you're told. You should have a schedule in that and then it just gets to the point that it's like gone <laughs> yeah yeah uh, there was a really good video i don't know if you saw it that he did when he was talking about his two minute tuesdays and how it started off you know with good intentions and that oh every tuesday i'm just going to make like a fun little video but then it turned into this these really good tutorials that ended up being 15 minutes long yeah but then he was he was talking about how he felt sort of boxed in and that he had to every tuesday churn out this high quality content and that's just not the point of youtube really and not the point of wanting that sort of lifestyle yeah. so he kind of took a step back and now releases the occasional vlog on a two minute Tuesday just whenever and so do you think with your channel you'll kind of keep it quite loose in what you put out or do you want to go in a specific direction I know you mentioned earlier you like still doing the educational stuff and that but obviously it's evident that the tech side is something yeah. you're looking around here yeah, yeah, there's a lot of tech so um yeah so I, I think I want to keep it as broad as I can or not as broad as I can but I want to not be boxed into just tech because although tech is going to get all the views and the ad revenues from tech are higher and the sponsorship opportunities are a lot higher, I still think that I can personally provide a lot of value to people who were in my position a few years ago. So people who are current medical students or current medicine applicants. Because I think there is definitely a gap for people giving high quality advice for people in that, in that place. So that, you know, let's say you want to learn how to kind of break bad news to a family that you want stuck with just you know the teaching that your own medical school gave you because there's a huge variation in quality all, all over the world um, and I do want to do videos in that kind of domain as well as you know the occasional what's on my iPhone video yeah, once, yeah. once in a while just to get the view count up yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah so this is kind of a side thing and obviously talking to Ed as well he went into he wanted to do videos to educate people in that how do you think kind of these type of videos on YouTube and that sit alongside traditional education? Because it feels like the tide is turning quite a lot. Like, yeah. I know that's quite a philosophical question, but because um, obviously you're putting out educational content. So on a new platform that wasn't there 20 years ago, even. Um, so I don't know how you feel it will affect traditional ways of learning, essentially. Yeah. I think with medicine, it's obviously a bit different because there's a lot of practical and whatnot. Stuff. But I think it's amazing for students like yourself was a few years ago that can go on YouTube and, like you say, watch a video with a real-life <laughs> yeah. doctor and see what they've done, essentially. Yeah, I think that's definitely a direction that 
like thing, things are sort of heading, there, there are already so many online resources, uh, online question banks, online textbooks, so few people buy textbooks anymore. I advocate people to not spend any money on textbooks ever because you can, if you want, find the free PDF online or you can just use Wikipedia or you know, other resources that are pretty much just as good as the textbook. Um, I think like personally what I would quite like to happen is that if there were a single really good high quality free resource that pretty much let you learn all of the, the theory side of being a doctor, the theory side of medicine without having to go to medical school. I think medical school is good because you make friends and stuff and obviously being, being a doctor is good for the practical side of actually seeing patients. But a lot of the kind of we have a two hour lecture on some niche brain tumor that we're never going to come across is a bit of a waste of time. Whereas if you get someone who is kind of talking, you know, even, even making a video for, for half that time, explaining stuff in, in a more accessible fashion, then I think that that would be really nice. And I've kind of got in the back of the back of my mind that at some point I want to start making this sort of educational content. You've um, got a master plan. Of uh, <laughs> a very loose master plan, but yeah. kind of going in that direction, I think. Yeah. I was going to ask you about, have you had any kind of setbacks with your channel or any challenges you've had to overcome? Oh, that's a good question. How have you had any setbacks? nasty comments that you're like, oh, that hurts a little bit? <laughs> Honestly, I've not really had any nasty comments at all. I really can't think of any. Oh yeah, so uh, for the most part, like for the, for the first few months of doing this, the only content I was making was either vlogs about life as a medical student or educational content for medicine applicants. And that is such a nice bunch of people. You know, the people that look up to you that think, you know, I, I want to get into medical school. You're providing good quality educational content on YouTube and they're never going to say anything bad about it. But then when I released my desk setup video and the iPad videos that kind of started going more into the, into the mainstream, that was when I started getting a few more critical comments. Uh, there were a few quite funny ones about, oh, well, you know, being a student, being a medical student is not about taking notes on an iPad. It's about seeing people in real life. And me being like, yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. It's not about taking notes on an iPad. I just made that video because I like my iPad. Um, so did you respond to them type of comments or did you just kind of uh, let, I think, let it? I, I think I replied to a few of them and then I screenshotted and posted them on my Instagram story because it's just <laughs> funny. Um, but I've never really had anything that's actually hurt me personally. Yeah. But so it's, it's, it's been quite nice in that sense. Like people always say that, oh, you, the haters are always going to come. Yeah, I, I think there's anything in life. Yeah. If you get to a certain point, there's going to be yeah. an underlying of yeah. not hate, but, but comments yeah. essentially. Yeah. But no, I think I've, I think I've had it pretty, pretty good so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to go back to as well, you just mentioned obviously going into the tech arena. Mm. Have you had any offers of branding deals or try out our products and do a video on it or? Yeah, I have sort of. So I think a lot of those just came from the size of the YouTube channel in a way. And also the fact that it's, so I was a student mostly making videos for students. So there was a deal with Rosetta Stone, a deal with Primark about their like new back to university homeware range. Um, and recently I started getting emails from companies, you know, like we, we make an iPad stylus or, you know, this case for an iPad, can you let us know? Uh, can, can we send it to you and stuff? Uh, I haven't really responded to many of those, uh, but the other day I got, I don't know if it's here, uh, I got a backpack from Thule, which is this like cool company that makes cool bags. And they were like, yeah, if you like it, can you do a what's in my bag video about it? And I was like, sure, absolutely. And I've started using this bag every day and it's, it's great and I'm going to do a video on it at some point. Cool. So them kind of offers, did they come just out of the blue or... You know, did so for example, you just name checked Primark, which yeah. is a pretty big yeah, brand in the UK. Yeah. So, did they just email you out of the blue and say? So, I think what seems to happen is that let's say Primark, Primark's media department will find a social marketing agency, uh, an influencer marketing agency, and that agency. So, there's one in, in the UK called Sixteenth Sixteenth uh, Talent or something like that, who did the Primark deal, um, and they they kind of keep 
keep track of who the university YouTubers in the UK are. And there's not many, so there's like you know 20 at most. And therefore, if something comes to them, then they can send out an email to all 20 of them, all 20 of us, uh, and say, hey, we've got this deal coming up. Who wants, who wants in? So I think that's the way. So it's done through an agency through, rather through than party usually. Primark directly. Market, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And did you take them up on the offer? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was pretty fun. I got to go to Primark to buy some stuff, film myself doing it, a cheeky sort of walking hyperlapse. Um, and it kind of integrated quite nicely into the video because we were talking anyway about like tips for new university freshers. Yeah. So it felt like quite a natural thing to be like, by the way, guys, this video is sponsored by Primark. You can check out their cool new cushions. This is one of them. Excellent. That's another one. Uh, <laughs> more money, please. He's promoting more things. <laughs> but, oh, no, so yeah, it, uh, so I didn't want to do anything that felt too advertise -y, but I think, I, yeah. I think that's the key with it, isn't it? Is there's a fine balance between there's some YouTubers are watching, obviously they do brand videos yeah. and it's very much like you've clearly taken this yeah. for the money. Like, you know, um, but then there's obviously like I Justine that is just massively Apple, Apple, Apple orientated. Yeah. yeah. Um, she'll be like working for Apple at some yeah, point. Probably, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, that's really interesting. Cause like in the nicest possible sense with your channel, 70,000, that's a huge sum. You wouldn't think like brands like Primart and that would, yeah, no, it would I, come into higher, yeah, higher channels. Be, if you know what I mean? Means, but yeah, yeah, so it's, it's great to know for anyone starting out, like, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. you don't need a massive, massive, massive audience to start bringing in. Yeah, and I think especially if you're in a, in a niche category. So there's, a, there's another friend of mine uh, he, who also does kind of content aimed at medicine applicants and medical students. He's now in his third year or fourth year of studying medicine at Cambridge. Um, and a few of his videos were aimed at this specific exam called the UK CAT. And there's this other company that sponsored him to put a link to their UK CAT materials in their video. Um, and made some money from that, I don't know how much. But yeah. kind of if you're targeting such a niche audience that is able to pay for stuff like medicine applicants are, then I think regardless of what your audience size is, you do have the potential for monetization. But I don't, but I don't think monetization is the way to, is, is like an aim, should be an aim. Because like, there's so much effort that goes into it, as you know, from making all, the, all, yeah. all your videos that you really do have to enjoy it rather than think this is a great way to make money because the hourly rate is just terrible. If you think about the amount of time that goes into. <laughs> That's what I always think is like, it not pains me, but there's so many people I chat to, people setting up channels and that, and like kind of sole focus is I want to be a full-time YouTuber or earn yeah. a living from it. And yeah. <laughs> it's not until you realize actually how much you get from yeah. YouTube, like and that like, you need other revenue streams absolutely. as well, essentially. Absolutely. And then if you do want to go full-time, how much of that time is like emails and, you know, admin and, other stuff that you wouldn't think is part of being a YouTuber, yeah. but actually. Yeah. So obviously talking about branding deals, what would be the one branding deal that you'd be like, yes, I've made it. I think if Apple sponsored me, but, but, yeah. but I feel like Apple don't really sponsor people. I, I, I have seen people get free, like, you know, the, the, the new 5K iMac or whatever for, yeah. as a review unit, but I've never seen of Apple sponsoring anyone. Um, it would be nice if like LG or someone sent me widescreen monitor, ultra wide monitors to review. I've got one of one over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or like uh, I was hoping at some point to deck this whole house out in Philips Hue, you know, the color changing light bulbs. Yeah. So if they sponsored me, that would be sick as well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, obviously the branding is more within the tech arena for your channel rather yeah. than the, the um, educational uh, side. Uh, unless like Littman, the stethoscope company sponsored me or... Yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine any drug companies wanting to sponsor a YouTuber. Yeah. Like, yeah. I reckon the best route is if you get in with like a startup tech company and then they explode mm -hmm. and then you're already in there yeah. and they're like, yeah, we'll go to Ali. Yeah, cool. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. I should, I should start thinking about that. Yeah. Um, so kind of just to round it off, mm -hmm. what's kind of the plan for the channel moving into the future? Uh, one thing that I try and always remember is 
that it's more about the journey than it is about the destination. I, I've been listening to a fantasy audiobook recently called uh, The Way of Kings, Brandon Sanderson. It's really good. Um, and in it, in it, there's this like order of knights, the knights radiant. And one of their mottos is journey before destination. And I kind of keep that in the back of my mind, like, journey before destination. So whenever I come home and if I'm absolutely knackered that day and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, oh, I've got to churn out another video. I just kind of remind myself that actually, no, there's a journey before destination. There's no point in trying to get to a million subscribers or, or whatever if I'm not enjoying the process. So everything that I'm now doing on YouTube is kind of in the, with, with this idea that I want to be enjoying it as I go along. So I don't really have a goal as such for it. It's just a case of I enjoy making videos. It's quite nice having it as kind of something to do when I get home from work rather than feeling idle. Like, oh, I'm not going to watch Netflix now until I'm going to work the next day. So I don't think that's, that's a, a good existence for me personally. But it's just, so just trying to keep making content that I enjoy making, that people enjoy watching, and to make it sustainable over the long term. Cool. And just one kind of final thing which I asked Ed as well is mm. if you've got any kind of one piece of advice you'd give anyone starting up a new channel. Oh. I know it's a broad subject. Oh, starting up a new channel. So, so definitely uh, quantity match matters so much more than quality. Like no one cares how good your videos are if you only have you know one video every six months. Um, Although Sam Calder only has one video every six months and is like absolutely <laughs> incredible, but they're well, really, really good. Um, but I think for the most part, if you can churn out quantity, then, and, and like also, actually, on, on that note, um, I don't know, there's a book called like uh, the art, art versus War or the Fear versus Art or something. I don't know if you come across it. There's it's the Art of War. There is the Art of War, which is that, but there's another one that sounds War similar. War of Art. War of, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, something along those lines. And, and in, in that, this guy, the, the author talks about a, uh, you know, this hypothetical pottery class whereby you've got a class and it's split up into two halves. And one half, the assignment is you've got to make one pot this month and you've got to make it really, really good. And for the other half of the class, the assignment is you've got to make one pot every day for the next 30 days and you know, just do whatever you want. And then at the end, you know, the, there's independent judges that come in to judge the pots. And w without exception, every single good pot, all of the best ones came from the group that made 30 rather than the group that just focused on one. And that's something that I've, you know, I write about on my blog and I tell people all the time. It's all about the quantity. Yeah. Yeah. It's Quality sad. will come later. So do you feel like by putting out continuous content that obviously, as you say, you kind of had to learn on the go with video editing and yeah, kind of that, absolutely. that by doing it consistently, it's enabled you to grow in that mind in that sense with learning video and, and editing it's, yeah. it's allowed you to grow quicker especially yeah, yeah, than if you're doing one yeah. every month or so yeah exactly so like people sometimes message me now and ask oh how did you get good at video editing and i'm like oh well thank you i didn't realize i was good at video editing but also it's just like we'll i've seen your b-roll by the way <laughs> oh, okay. it's, all, it's all copied from peter mckinnon um when you make 150 videos in a year you, then you will get good at video editing. yeah like, you can't not get good at video editing once you've churned out that much quantity yeah there's a there's a guy i used to follow literally years ago yeah. probably 2010 called preston canuck okay. um and he done a thing on youtube where he made a film a day for a year oh, nice. and it, it could have oh, been anything nice stuff. Yeah, yeah pretty much yeah it was basically vlogging yeah. before <laughs> vlogging and um, but making like films so like one day he'd do a little three minute doc documentary i think he'd done one about um it's an amazing little documentary. It's only like three or four minutes, but he lives in Canada and where he was on like this industrial state, there'd been this um, food truck that had been there for like 30 years. Every lunchtime, everyone goes to that food truck to get their food. And then um, about a year bef 
before he shot this, a new food truck came into the area and stepped on, <laughs> on that area. And um, he'd done a little documentary about the war between these two food trucks. Oh, and yeah, it, that's really interesting. But yeah, but yeah. Um, the story of it is basically he shot every day for a year. And by the end of the year, he was shooting for like Canon and stuff and that. And awesome. he was saying that it was just kind of the repetition of yeah. doing something every day and, and learning and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, quantity over, yeah, quantity is, over is quantity. that your kind yeah. of advice? Who cares about how good it is? As long as you churn it out, you'll get better over time. Yeah. And, 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 and if you accept that your first hundred videos are going to be crap and no one's going to care, then... But I think as well, we've seen that if you keep churning it out, but there's got to be kind of a purpose to it, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're churning out crap every day yeah. and it's still crap, then yeah, you've, no, got, you've got to have a sense of like, maybe I need to switch something. something up. Yeah, I agree. And like actually sort of alongside this churning out crap, I've also been watching a lot of tutorials and following all the photographers and videographers and stuff on YouTube. And it, every time I'd make a new video, I would try and incorporate some new elements of some new transition that Sam Calder used or this new trick that Matty Hapojo used or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, so, so I watched your latest one that came out. Was it a couple of days ago? The desk. Oh, the desk. desk one. Yeah, yeah. and there's obviously the B-roll and whatnot. Oh, yeah. It looks really good. Oh, it looks yeah. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I saw that, before we'd even met today, yeah. I was like, he's been yeah. watching Peter McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. Peter said the other day, didn't he? He's like, that's what I'm known for, yeah, but I want to change it up a bit. Yeah, and then like challenging himself yeah. a bit more. So yeah, maybe the journey of YouTube is always kind of pivoting and, and doing different things which yeah. is evident in your channel because yeah. you started with music yeah. education vlogs tech and whatnot and i suppose it keeps it interesting from a, a kind yeah. of a, from from my perspective i've got one question to ask yes. as well and it was from the desk oh, yeah. desk one as well how much of an argument did you have with your mum about the chair oh that was a big argument back in the day so it was about it was about a year ago it was about two years ago where i was thinking that look i, I want to invest in an office chair I've made a bit of money through my company. I've got, I've, I've got a thousand pounds to splash on a chair and you know, it's good for your back. It's good for your posture. It'll last 10 years. That's about hundred pounds a year. I'd happily pay hundred pounds a year for a really good chair. And she would, I, I went to John Lewis and I tried them all out and they were really nice. She was just like, no, there's no way you're spending a thousand pounds on a chair. And then I, I, was, I was quite annoyed for a few days. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not fair. And then I just because you got excited about it, you're like, I'm going to get this chair. It's going to yeah. be amazing. It's going to change my life for yeah, the next yeah, ten no, years. Exactly. And your mum was just like, no. So, so, yeah, she was just not having it. Um, but no, I think also it's important to realise that you know a new chair is not going to make me any happier, really, objectively. Yeah. Um, and you know this one that belongs to my housemate Molly is pretty good. And even if it wasn't that, even if it was just a piano stool, it would, it would be pretty good. I find a way to make it work. I liked what you said. I think it was in the desk setup as well. Yeah. Maybe another video you said about happiness is not adding things, but yeah. taking things. But I think that's amazing. Negatives away. So like at the moment, I really don't enjoy ironing. So if I could somehow get rid of ironing from my life, which I've tried to do by wearing scrubs every day to work, <laughs> yeah. that's made me happier because I'm re I've removed this salient negative. But if I, for example, got a new, I don't know, drone, it's not going to make me any happier. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that the current lack of a fancy drone actively makes my life suck. Therefore, adding it on is not going to make me any happier. Just going back, I'm yeah. going to go back a bit. Nice. It's because mm. I just realised yeah. that you said you've been at Adamworks for two months, two months now. Yeah. Do your colleagues and that know about the YouTube channel? Or? Yeah, sort of. So the, the colleagues that I work with every day have got to know about it. Like, they'd see me coming into work on the, on the boosted board and they'd kind of comment on that. And then uh, we'd, uh, so occasionally the conversation would segue into what we're getting up to. So like today, for example, um, uh, this new guy who, who who started on the wards this week was asked me asked me what asked asked me what I was up to and I was like oh I'm being interviewed on this podcast I was like oh what what sort of podcast I was like, oh it's for YouTube creators what you're a YouTuber and then it sort of goes from that and then we had a great chat about it and turns out he's quite into the whole content creationy sort of stuff as well and cool. I think it's 
something like YouTube is a very accessible topic of conversation because everyone watches YouTube now and everyone watches certain channels and be like, oh, what's your favorite channel? Who do you follow? It's, it's, it's been quite nice, yes. but I, yes. I do try not to push it too hard because I know like, I, I don't want to be that guy who just kind of goes on about self-promotion all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Right, cool. Um, so I'll finish off 10 quick questions as well. Um, Ed oh. navigated these oh, quite well. Oh, Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've stolen it from many yeah, different places. Yeah, but nice. um, So the first one is, what camera do you use to uh, film on? Sony a6500. Okay, Love it. Did you that uh, I had an A6000. Uh, I used it for a few years to take photos of my friends with like a really nice uh, 35mm f1.8. Got really sick background blur, obviously. And then uh, when I decided to go full-time on YouTube, I wanted the microphone input because my audio, audio quality was terrible before. And I thought, why not just upgrade? And that was the reason. Plus, it's, it's small enough that you can take it around without it being a big 1DX Mark II and, you know, 10 kilograms of yeah. weight. And so next question is, I kind of think I know the answer to this, but <laughs> if you could collaborate with one YouTuber, who would it be? Oh. You could say Ed, and that will make him highly, no, highly yeah. pleased. But. No, actually, so <laughs> We're planning a collab soon at some point, um, but that would be really nice. So I, I, I want to actively, uh, I, I want to ask, I pretty much want to interview him for an extended period of time, asking for tips on how to be a, a good doctor, because yeah. I feel like he'd be good. Um, other collabs, I think MKBHD would be awesome. Been watching him for ages. Peter McKinnon, of course. Yeah. Uh, Casey, you know, the standard big names. The, the big yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, Instagram or Twitter? Oh, Instagram. I tried using Twitter and I've tried so many times to get into Twitter, but I just feel like I have nothing of value to add to Twitter. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think about Twitter? I, I struggle with it. I, it feels too messy mm. for me, like all the text. Now, I'm a very visual person, so yeah. like Instagram is easy for me. I can scroll through in that. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably being a creative or whatever. Yeah. It's just easier on the eye. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I find maybe completely wrong Twitter feels more businessy. So, yeah, do you know what I mean? On, yeah, yeah. Um, and the way it's kind of laid out, it feels more like corporate. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. But then there are so, like people like Gary Vee say, you know, you've got to be posting on Twitter twenty times a day to grow your everything. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, sorry, I, I can't do that. Um, we've touched on this and already, but posting schedule when you feel like it, you know. Yeah, when I feel like it, but I try once or twice a week. Yeah, cool. Um, ultimate goal again. Obviously, we've spoken about this, but yeah. there's there's generally no ultimate goal. No ultimate goal to, to enjoy the process to make it sustainable. Cool. Um, favorite YouTuber or channel? Um, the one that you always go to, the one that when they post a video, you're like, I've got to watch this now. It doesn't go in the watch later list oh, it's straight away. Ooh. I don't know if anyone fits into that into that <laughs> into that category. Coach Schneider. Okay. He's, he's, he was the original in the, that I started following in 2008. Just like incredibly produced, really high quality, really beautiful music covers of popular songs. Every time he posts without fail, even if it's a random Chinese song that I've never heard. So yeah. if you could cover any song, what would it be? Ooh. This is another song. Could cover any song. Probably You Raise Me Up. That's, that's okay. like an absolute banger that I've been singing for the last 10 years. Um, one thing you couldn't live without when creating YouTube videos apart from your camera. No, laptop. <laughs> yeah. Is there any kind of gadget that you, you, you've got your drone, obviously? Is there any kind of, you've mentioned your office chair. Is there anything that's like, I love this thing. Actually, I think my AirPods, have I got them on me? No, they're yeah. over there. Yeah, I, the AirPods are just incredible. So like, you know, 100, uh, 150 quid look a bit weird. And I was like, well, what's the point of these? But then I, I watched some reviews and I like, they've changed my life. Cause I found out today that you can use AirPods on Android. Oh, you can. It's, it's, it's less of a nice experience from what I've heard. Because there's less kind of funky stuff. Like with AirPods, if you take them out, it automatically pauses and put them back in. It automatically oh, wow. plays. You can double tap to use Siri. Um, 
but that's just I, I just love those because it, it just reduces the the friction of putting on headphones to the point that it feels like having a chip in your head that you can just play a podcast or an audiobook whenever you feel like and that has just made me listen to so many more podcasts so many more audiobooks and i think overall that's had a good impact on my life compared to any other gadget that i own cool i'm gonna add a question in here yes. then what's the favorite what's your favorite audiobook you've listened to this year uh the name of the wind by patrick rothfuss it's like a fantasy sort of thing coming of age story this kid is a magician he gets to goes to this university where people are trained in becoming arcanists and then you know bad stuff happens and he goes into mischief and it's, it's incredible know the answer to this one anyway but cambridge or oxford oh come on it's <laughs> not even a question let's scrub that from the list so where are you from originally uh no, you're not cambridge born and oh, bred, no. right? so um well when i moved to the uk in like year four okay. uh, we started off in wheelchair then moved to south and on sea essex for okay. secondary school and then cambridge for university but i think i want to live in cambridge forever because i just yeah. love it it's a nice town isn't it it's really nice it's great last question asked Ed again is favorite pizza topping just a random question um i really like okay so i uh, have, you, have you have you ever ordered from z's piri piri on mill road no so that's a really good it's like you know halal, brand, deal. Uh, brand, brand deal with z's yeah so the, the, that's like the, the go-to for pretty much every muslim in cambridge because it's like halal okay. pizza um they have this pizza that's like the hot coriander which is like garlic coriander and chicken and it's just okay. like the best thing ever it's just so good oh, that that combination nice, is like yeah. absolutely on point i'll try that on would recommend <laughs> cool well that's it that's everything i've got to talk about um just as a final thing if you want to kind of promote your channel tell people what your channel's about oh, what yeah, you've got planned so, and stuff and yeah um yeah so you just search for my name on youtube ali abdal that's one of those things i was like i kind of wish i had a more brandable name because i always have to like people ask me oh what's your channel and i'm like oh crap i've got to spell my surname now and i i think if, if i had something brandable like Dr. Hope Sick Notes or something like that. Yeah. You know, people, no, no. That, 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 would, that would stick in people's heads. But now I can't use Sick Notes because he's got it. Yeah. Bloody Ed. But I think, <laughs> I, think, I think a brand is what you make it, isn't it? Like yeah. Casey Neistat. Yeah, it's a weird yeah, name. Gary Vaynerchuk is a weird name. So, yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah, I always think of band names, like yeah. biggest bands in the world, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, and stuff. It's a weird name, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I suppose the name doesn't really matter. Yeah. But yeah, if you search Ali Abdal, A-B-D-double-A-L on YouTube or Google or anywhere. Cool. For tech stuff, yeah. for education about medicine, yeah. for vlogs. vlogs. Are you going to do some more vlogs? That's the plan. Uh, I haven't done one in a while. But more Iceland stuff. More Iceland stuff, yeah. So I'm going on holiday to, where are we going? We're going to uh, the Yorkshire Dales in a few weeks' time. Okay. Uh, me and a few uni friends all happen to have like a few days off. Um, but I also did a few trips like Singapore, Bali, Grenada in the Caribbean that are still in the editing backlog, as you know from all the weddings that you do. <laughs> Just got to find time to churn out the edit. and. Yeah. Oh, cool. So we, we can look forward to some of them. Well, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone cares about travel videos. Like, all the other YouTubers complain about this as well. They're like, oh, if I post a study video, it gets 100,000 views. But if I post a holiday travel video, it gets 5,000 views. And it feels a bit demoralizing. So, so I'm going to carry this on now. What do you reckon? Um, question I was going to ask you, and it's something I chatted about with Ed the other day, is yeah. have you noticed on your channel that YouTube seems to promote some videos more than others? Like, say he finds that his reviews get promoted oh, it feels yeah, like those, he gets promoted a lot more <laughs> than if he does an educational video yeah. have you noticed anything oh, yeah, on that exactly. YouTube? Like my ipad video got promoted the hell out of and it was coming up in people's recommended feeds and everything the desk setups as well it seems like all the tech stuff gets promoted a fair bit um but if i'm posting a niche video about medical school no one's ever going to watch that unless people who are already subscribed and already know it exists then but it's, it still holds value it still holds value and i think it adds a disproportionate value to those people that care about that specific thing 
because this is like a big deal in their life. You know, applying to med school is like a huge, a huge issue for a lot of people. So getting some good information about it adds more value to someone's life than you watching a video about what's on my iPhone, for example. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm looking forward to the what's on your iPhone yeah, video. But I, I got the new uh, 10s Max. It arrived at work oh. today, so I'm going to unbox it at some point and do a review. Cool. Yeah, so check that out. So check that out. Um, and Ali, cheers for being on the no, podcast. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Cheers.